0: The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. And as Jesus taught in the temple, he said, How can the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? David himself, in the Holy Spirit, declared, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. David himself calls him Lord. So how is he his son? And the great throng heard him gladly. And in his teachings, he said, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. If you've been with us for a while, we've been looking at the Gospel of Mark for a while, on and off, really, for the last year and change. And we're in the last third of it now. And the theme of authority keeps coming back. It's really been the central theme since we dove back into the gospel of mark the first sunday in january think about this uh, mark 11 you see jesus coming down a hill into jerusalem and it's kind of a kingly scene right you know it's it's kind of humble you know he's on a donkey but people are singing hosanna to the son of david the son of david that's the messiah so it's a passage about kingly authority Fast forward a couple passages later, a couple weeks later. Jesus goes into the temple and starts flipping over tables. in The temple, this is the place of sacrifice, the place of worship. It's a passage about priestly authority. So kingly authority, priestly authority. And, and that enters into to, uh, Mark 12, which has been completely a passage so far about teachings of Jesus. Parables, uh, confrontations between different religious groups. He's exercising something of a prophetic ministry. So just in the last few weeks, we've seen passages about Jesus as kingly authority, priestly authority, prophetic authority. And the voice that comes out of the other authorities at the end of Mark 11 is, what gives you the right, man? Coming in as a king, flipping over tables, speaking with authority. Where'd you get this authority from? And Jesus, in one way or another, has been responding to this question, being asked in different ways, with different patronizing questions and stories coming at him throughout Chapter 12. Where would you get this authority? By what authority do you do this? This is kind of a growing story in our culture. It's not going to surprise many of you, but trust in institutions is at a generational low right now in early 2022 and maybe in an all-time low for our country. I don't know if you're familiar with any of this. I mean, every institution. Government and, like, government-military, all-time low. Presidents, Congress, congresspeople, city officials. Churches, confidence in churches are at an all-time low. News outlets, confidence are at a low. Schools, not just public schools, by the way. Higher education, grade school. Low, low confidence, low trust in institutions. The medical system, it keeps going. And it's not just the US, by the way. The UN did a report in July that this is happening, particularly among first world countries. Everywhere, everywhere. So lean forward to this summary, really. Chapters 11 and 12, at the end of Jesus' life, last week of his life here, to what Jesus has to say about authority. I'm going to give you three points just from verses 35 through 44 of Mark 12. First, Jesus says in so many words, believe in authority. Believe in it. Secondly, beware it. And third, verify it. Verify authority. In so many words. Believe in authority, beware authority, and verify authority. Look again, verses 35 through the beginning of verse 37. Jesus is teaching in the temple. Again, a place of authority, right? He quotes a passage of scripture in his teaching from Psalm 110 that is an appeal, and no one present doubted this. He appeals through Psalm 110 to both a past authority and a future authority. Here's what I mean. Psalm 110, verse 36, Jesus says, David himself in the Holy Spirit declared in Psalm 110, the Old Testament Scriptures, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. You know, kind of end quote. David himself himself calls him Lord So how is he his son? Okay, a word of explanation here. If you're pretty unfamiliar with the scriptures, there's really no bigger authority uh, when you think of the kingship of Israel than King David. Uh, He was the most heralded king of Israel's history. The kingdom itself was larger under his reign than it ever was at any other time. It's putting it lightly to say David was a trusted and a revered authority. And many believed in these verses right here from Psalm 110, David was prophesying about a future king whose reign would be even greater. The Lord said to my Lord. That's the first phrase there. There is something that's a little lost in translation here. In the original Hebrew, That phrase, the first use of Lord in that sentence, uh, if you went back and read Psalm 110 in your English Bibles, in our translations in the ESV, it would be capitalized L-O-R-D. Because it's not just the normal sense of Lord or Master. It means Yahweh. It's talking about the Lord God, not just any other Master, earthly Master. The Lord God said to my Lord. So let me translate it in another way. The Lord God said to my master. So David is referring to two different parties here in Psalm 110 in this passage that Jesus is quoting in the temple the last week of his life. The Lord God Yahweh said to my master, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. Now here's some, some of the significance of that passage. David certainly has at least one who is greater than him, God, Right? God is certainly an authority over David, the Lord God. But then David says, my master. This is a passage about his great, 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 great grandchild. What does other master over David that he's referring to besides God? Well, let me put it this way. How many grandfathers call their grandchild master? It didn't happen. It never happened. The elder would be the revered one. But Jesus is saying, in this passage, it fits. And you all have never thought about this before, have you? He's saying to those gathered. And yes, he's referring to himself. He knows, and they all knew, he's the one who just came down the mountain into Jerusalem and everybody's singing and, you know, waving palms, saying, son of David, you're finally here, praise God. Yes, he's actually saying, I'm not just a king like David, I'm greater than him. And really, that last verse... Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet, that last phrase. That really uh, is is the image of ultimate authority. Every enemy, like picture a king on a throne with a foot on an enemy's throat. And God's saying, that's what my king's going to do. That's what I'm going to do for this future king. And Jesus is saying, that's coming. What Jesus is doing, by the way, don't, don't forget this. This is at a time when Israel has no king. Certainly no king they would actually look to. I mean, Caesar? Don't make me laugh. Tyrant of tyrants. He's a slave master. Herod? He's a prophet killer. This is a populist moment. This is what gets Jesus murdered. Is he saying... Keep the dream alive. And the authorities are like looking at Jesus. It says the throng heard him gladly in verse 37. They're like super excited. He's really here to do this. He's really here to overthrow. He's really, really here to help us finally believe in authority again. He's going to bring back an institution we can actually believe in. It's going to happen. Jesus is keeping the dream alive. So here's what I want you to see about authority. I mean, there is not an authority that Jesus doesn't criticize in the Gospel of Mark. There's just not. We've been in it a long time. Even if he's praising one, like the scribe last week, he like gives a compliment when it's due. There's not an authority structure that he doesn't criticize, but Jesus is never saying no authority. He's seeking to renew authority. Jesus believes in institutions, and he believes in authority, the kind that he's bringing to renew. So believe in it. That's the first thing. Jesus believes in authority, and he's telling the people, believe in it. Keep the dream alive. Secondly, though, he says, beware authority. And that's what comes next, and he gets really nasty. And listen, this isn't just for you. This is for your kids beware authority. And that is coming from somebody I know, it's not lost on me, who stewards a certain amount of authority in this church. There's no getting around it. Jesus says in verse 38, beware, beware of, of who? The scribes, the religious authorities who like to walk around in long robes And like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers, they will receive the greater condemnation. Jesus invites you to have a healthy caution around leaders. It's probably about five or six years ago, some of you will remember, Brian Williams when he was the anchor of NBC Nightly News, and was like, you know, you know, kind of in the wake of Dan Rather and you know, all, all those like late 20th century news anchors, it was kind of the most famous. And uh, he just completely lied one night, saying he was in a helicopter that got hit by an RPG in a war zone, and he was saved by a bunch of like Army Rangers. And he wasn't on that flight at all. It was just a total lie. And, you know, there was, there was some, you know, he was in another chopper, he was in the area, but he got called out on it, and he had this incredible track record. I actually really liked him. Still do, he just finally retired. He got another show eventually. And at the time, NBC News said, yeah, this guy's got a great track record, but he can't possibly continue at all. Why? Because all we have is trust. You might." You might be of the opinion that trust in major news outlets has waned further since then. You would not be alone. But just think about that. We've got ratings, but if we lose trust, we lose everything. So you gotta go. You gotta go, Brian Williams. How much more with a church? Like, you invest a certain level of confidence in the news I mean, maybe you did five years ago. <laughs> how much more in a place that's supposed to be God's family? How much longer does church hurt last? How much longer, how much longer might it take, you know, with the help of God, to see trust in a church restored when it's been badly broken? And confidence is just gone that is what jesus is talking about here he starts by saying first of all beware any pretense whatsoever about acting holier than thou when really all you're trying to do is raise your profile and that might shock you that that actually made people popular back then like long prayers made people want to applaud (laughs) it's a different cultural time but like uh, all those long prayers, it's so amazing, the flowing robes, the places of honor, oh, I want to be just like you, I want to be just like you. And Jesus is saying, get away from it. Don't be fooled. And if that wasn't bad enough, he goes on, and this, this thing, one commentator, Ben Witherington, and I, I had no idea about this, but it seems like it's been fairly well researched at this point, that in the first century in Israel, There was a custom of widows, you know, there's this phrase about uh, devouring widows' houses in verse 40. Um, These scribes who love all these accolades in public, they're secretly devouring widows' houses. What would happen is a widow who didn't have, you know, uh, a family to help, you know, care for her, you know, toward the end of her life, let's say, would look out for another religious trusted authority and say, would you help me with my estate? And a scribe would say, yes, I'm an honorable person, and then take way more than they should as expenses on the back end. That seems to be what Jesus was talking about, and seems like it happened a lot. So what's the point? Beware those who target the vulnerable members of a church. It's okay to beware that. It's okay, I think Jesus is saying, at the very least, when trust has been busted. I don't know what different churches you might have all been at different times in your past. I know for some of you, but not all of you. Um, Or even like a promise broken in this church or a harsh word when a gentle one was invited from a leader. That's a breach of trust in a way. It's okay for there to be a testing period. It doesn't mean you're not forgiving. Jesus is saying, it's okay to not automatically invest your full confidence in a fallen human being, particularly if the track record goes another way. It's okay for there to be a testing period to ask questions like, okay, this all looks good, this all looks good, but is this for real? Or are they just like stapling a nice red apple on a dead tree? You can test that for a while. So beware. And why do they receive the greater con- uh, condemnation? Because it's not just the NBC nightly news. I don't know if, if you knew this, but what we're doing here is actually more important not to minimize the public being informed. But the family of God on God's mission to see the world renewed through his people, that is what we're about. It's a bigger deal here. Believe in authority. Beware authority. But here's the third thing. Verify authority. And I'll tell you in a second why I chose. I mean, the first two I think are pretty obvious. The third, verify authority. You've got to dig a little bit. Here's where I'm coming from. Let me just read the last... Four verses again, verse 41 through 44. And Jesus sat down opposite the treasury, still at the temple, by the way. Not a different scene, just a different conversation. He sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people put money into the the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, truly i say to you this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box for they all contributed out of their abundance but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had all she had to live on just to give you a, an exchange rate here what the widow put into the offering box was worth One-sixty-fourth of a day's wage. A day's wage, let's say the pay of a day laborer. What you'd get in one-sixty-fourth of a day, like way less than a half an hour, of a day of labor. And it's all she had. Actually, again, something is lost in translation. The literal phrasing in the Greek is it was her whole life. She put her whole life in the box. The wealthy aren't exactly criticized here. It says a lot of them put in large sums. They're not so much criticized as the woman is being lifted up and praised. There is a fascinating stat. Glenn talks to churches all over the region, and he loves to quote it. Uh, It's the truth. The more you make, the less likely it is that you'll live generously and give generously, not just to the church. That large. And Jesus goes out of his way to recognize this woman who put her whole life into the offering box at this institution. (laughs) that had all these warts all over it. And Jesus is even pointing at them. To them? You're going to give your life to them? To these, to these at this temple? And he praises her. He calls his disciples over. Like they're all kind of sitting there in a huddle. He's like, look, nobody would ever notice it. I noticed it because I was watching. None of you would no- notice. She just put her whole life in that box. He calls attention to it. He's doing two things here on a deeper level first. First. Jesus is making a contrast, and I hope you see it. Mark is doing this all the time. If you, well, you, yeah, I don't have to convince you if you've been with us for any amount of time for this series. He sandwiches things together to make a point. There's a direct contrast between the scribes who are taking life from widows, devouring them, and putting her story right next to theirs. This is a widow who places her whole life as an act of faithfulness in God's hands and in a way that no one will ever notice, in contrast to the scribes with their flowing robes and their places of honor at feasts. So that's the first thing. He's contrasting the authority with this woman. And he's calling people together to say, that's it. That's that's everything. I mean, that that picture says it all. Your whole life to God, that's it now. Now I can die in a few days. And you've seen my life being worked out in one of my people. Here's the second thing. He is very much making a point about authority. Think about this. In the original sense, the word authority is really driven by the sense of to authorize. To verify something. It doesn't just mean a power structure that you're under authority. It means, how do you tell the real deal? The thing that belongs. You know, the thing where the colors don't run. What you see is what you get. It's in place from God. It belongs there. That's what the, that's what the word authority in its original sense it has been lost a little bit. Usage has changed. And that sense of Verification. Jesus is making a point about authority in that sense. He's saying, I see the heart of the author in this woman. Verifiable. Take it to the bank. This is it. When you see it, make a note and lift it up. And let's not forget, just a few days later, Jesus himself, by the way, the one who will be seated at the right hand of the Almighty praises this kind of lifestyle. The one who's going to sit on his throne with his foot on the neck of every one of our spiritual enemies is saying, that's going to be my way too. My way to get there at the right hand of God is actually going to go through this woman's way. Giving my life up. This is the way it has to work. And when you see it, that's how you know you've found the heart of the author. That's authority verified. Call other people to notice it. When no one else is, that's the real thing. Verifying authority, that's what he's doing. He's saying this is how it has to work for you, my disciples. And this is how it has to work for me, even though every enemy will be under my feet someday. So brothers and sisters, I just want to end by asking, where do you see it? Where do you see it? Tomorrow's Valentine's Day, which I would just as soon not observe, part of me would just as soon not observe, because I think it's a sham. And um, there really was, as best we can tell, a Saint Valentine who lived in the third century who was a priest who was martyred for his faith. And uh, you know the legends that came later, like was he secretly performing marriage ceremonies for Christians? Well, if you're a priest in the Roman Empire and they're trying to kill you, you probably have to do those religious rites in private. So yeah, you probably did some of that. He probably did some of that. But all the other stuff came about a thousand years later, like Chaucer wrote a poem about birds and people mating on in mid-February sometime. It's like, this is a real dude. You know why we should, how we should memorialize him, though? How we should lift him up? There's nothing wrong with your reservations and your flowers and your candy hearts. Acknowledge the fact that this guy was a really faithful martyr, which just means witness, by the way. That's all the word means, witness. He, in his life, we see one laying everything down, giving his whole life to God, saying, I know what this thing is about. Kill me or let me go. I'm not going to turn away. How about you observe Valentine's Day this way? Who in your life can you approach and say, I see the real deal here in you? And guess what? I think it's the call on Christians to focus most on the most invisible. It might be somebody who doesn't have anybody to call on Valentine tomorrow. It might be somebody who does where do you see the life of the sacrificial lord of the universe in one of his children that's celebrating valentine's day lift it up it's rare get it in a spot where other people can see it brag about it and say this didn't just come from them this is the author being verified in their life